Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 204. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we've been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, joined by my co-host, John White, at VJourneyman. Hey John, how you doing? Doing great, Nick. Hey, just want to remind everybody that we are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be subscribing. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Fantastic. Hey, everybody, we just want to mention that our second site, graph.nerd-journey.com, is live. That is a data lake, knowledge graph, place to find and search for guests, topics, and ideas in a more connected way than just a single set of show notes. So check it out and let us know what you think. Last week in episode 203, we talked about resume writing. Well, the next logical step here, John, I think... It's going to be job search. Absolutely. And we've done some episodes on job search in the past. But again, we want to kind of revisit some of these foundational topics in career progression. So right after you have a resume, now you can start executing a job search, right? If you want to go back and listen to some of the episodes where we've talked about job search before, you might want to look at episode number four all the way back in episode number four. 200 episodes previous, Nick. In 2017, that was recorded. Oh, my goodness. I was 24. 24 plus 12? (laughs) Probably plus a lot more than that. I think we talked about company culture as a filter on how to select maybe where you want to work and where what kind of place you want to work at. In episode 13, we interviewed Tom Delicati, and he had a really interesting method for finding places to work at. Also in episode 13, we came across a Spiceworks post. I think, Nick, you were the one who pointed this out on how to cold call for jobs. That that was fascinating. And maybe we'll talk about that in the how-to or the, the technique section. And then episode 57, uh, there was a mention in, it was a personal finance episode. We talked about how good finances gives you um, more breathing room for a job search. So it doesn't become urgent. You know, if you are feeling like you need to change companies or, you know, some other situation, nothing's an emergency. And then, you know, rolling back a little bit, episode 20, we covered a technique called area of destiny, which really talked about finding that intersection of like, you know, what you're good at what you're interested in and, and where there's actually jobs. And, and that overlap is kind of a powerful place to live in. Oh, yeah, and I should have gone back a little bit further. Episode 19, we actually talked about dreaming in bands, which we will get into a little bit later. That's a John White trademark phrase, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> Great. We'll just do a, a little overview of what we're going to talk about. Just to make sure the structure's out there, we're going to cover what characteristics uh, you value in a workplace. Just a little exercise to think to yourself, you know, what is it that you want out of uh, an employer? Think about what kind of work you want to do. 
talk about the actual search for jobs. We'll talk a little bit about the application process, how to apply for jobs, and then go over a little bit about how you can let the jobs come to you. So with that in mind, let's dive right into what characteristics do you value in a workplace? This is an exercise that I think is important because we're always talking about and advocating progressing your career. And in order to progress a career, you want to make things better, right? Make progress. So what is it that you want to improve? Sometimes what you want to improve is the the type of work that you're doing or the challenge or the scale. But sometimes what you want to improve is the environment that you're doing the work in. So there's got to be things that you like and don't like about your current environment or past environments that you've worked in, the things that you've valued highly and the things that you would absolutely avoid if you had a chance to avoid in the future. So those are the types of things that I'm saying that maybe you can kind of go over in your mind. This is a a situation while we record this in late 2022, where we have a weird confluence of tech companies downsizing, but at the same time, they're downsizing into an incredibly hot tech job market. So you might be going through an involuntary change in jobs where you've been uh, let go, but at the same time, you still have a lot of opportunity out there um, to actually make a choice about where it is that you want to work next. So this is the opportunity that you, you, you have to really think about the type of place you want to work. And this is something that I think we advocate that you don't do just once, that you do kind of continuously and revisit periodically. So I'll give you my example. The things that I want in a workplace are smart coworkers with complementary smartness, not just smart, you know, the exact same way that I feel like I'm smart. I want a good supportive collegial culture. I want challenging and interesting problems to work on, and I want support for growth and learning. Those are the kinds of things that I highlighted in the past. And then over time, I I revisited that and I said, oh, you know, the other things that I want are a technical and or individual contributor career path so that I can continue to progress in seniority and in compensation without having to become a manager. Maybe I wouldn't mind becoming a manager, but I also want the option to not become a manager, but still progress. And then I also added a fair to generous compensation package. It's important, right? Sure. But things that you might want to think about when you're thinking about this are are the constraints that you have in your life or the aspirations that you have. What about travel? Maybe you want to travel a lot. So you're looking for, a maybe you'd be biased towards a position that has 80% travel. Or maybe you have a lot of things in your home that keep you from doing any kind of travel. Or, you know, maybe you could only travel like once or twice a year and, and that would be okay. But, you know, only for a week at a time. Those are the kinds of things that you need to, to take into account and, and kind of articulate in this. Is it important for you to be close to the company headquarters or or is being distant from the company headquarters okay? How about the distance uh, to your immediate manager? Um, I had a situation uh, where my manager was on the other coast, you know, an entire, you know, continental United States between us. Are you okay with that or are you not okay with that? 
And uh, how about, you know, in the current environment, in office versus work for, from home versus hybrid? Again, other things to take into, into account and, and really articulate to yourself, you know, what is most important and what would be some nice to haves and what are some must absolutely avoids for the future. You mentioned the support for growth and learning as part of that bubble and the technical and individual career path. Something that is important to me is the opportunity to grow into a different area of the company if I wanted as an individual contributor. You know, that's a great option to have so that you can still, you can keep a network of people inside your company who know your reputation and brand without having to start over somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. That's always easier, right? Um, so how healthy is that culture within the organization that you are looking to join? For example, mm -hmm. if somebody else had that same thing and they were looking to join a new organization, like how that might be one of the things that they, they ask about, right? Or try to investigate during the job search. And how do you do that? You know, maybe you look up some people that you know that are at that organization and ask them. And, or maybe you look up some people at random and see how many positions they've had within the organization, whether it's in the exact same place or if they've moved, you know, like maybe you see a move coming up in five years, you know, do you, how many people at the company have moved from city to city, you know, from state to state, major big moves and still stayed with the company. You know, those are the kinds of things. Each individual person has their individual circumstances and they need to, you know, do some soul searching to articulate those to themselves and, you know, maybe have a discussion with your family. Um, if you have uh, a family or your extended friend group, if that's, you know, super important to you, like maybe the, you know, you, one of the things that you think about is, hey, I, I don't want to, you know, move away from my current friends, so I can't leave this uh, specific geography. But what if three of, you know, the five to 10 people that you're thinking about are considering moves like outside of the geography, then is that, you know, more or less important? Again, a bunch of different hypotheticals there, but, you know, super important to, to really think through that and then revisit it. And it has to be the right opportunity at the right time, just like Yvette Edwards said in episode 202. Uh, yeah. I think you said, John, if it's not the right time, then it's not the right opportunity. No matter what it is. That sounds super wise. Who said that? Some guy named John White. I mean, I don't always uh, listen to what he says, but every now and then he has a good nugget. Yeah, you shouldn't always listen yeah. to what he says. <laughs> I would also add reimbursements for things. Is there well-being allowance? Are there mental health benefits? Do you need really good insurance because you're going to have a family soon? Or do you have a family mm -hmm. member who is going to need medical care and you're pretty confident that it will be consistent. Think about that too. Yeah. So really good medical insurance in that case um, might be super important. Or what if you have like an elderly parent that you need to take care of? Is there, you know, something in their medical package where you can buy like additional insurance to cover, you know, time off for, for doing that kind of thing? Or there's different ways to support that and it would be good to know about those things going into applying for a position at that company. Sure. What are the expected work hours? What's the time off like? 
is it flexible enough for me to go to a doctor's appointment in the morning and make up the time or do I need to take that time as sick time? How does that work? Yeah. In a current events example, like I, I remember hearing about a company that was installing like bedrooms in their headquarters. Like, you know, what does, what does that mean about what the expected work hours are? Or, and the CEO just said, you know, came out and said, Hey, I expect everybody to be super hardcore here. So is there a breakfast buffet talking about Twitter, Nick? At the same time, they took out their food. Uh. <laughs> That's a mixed message, isn't it? Indeed it is. Anyway, you know, those are the kinds of considerations. Like, you know, maybe like being hardcore at an organization is super exciting for you. And maybe you don't actually have any uh, family at home or, or friends that, you know, would keep you from focusing on something like that. And you're excited by that. And if so, then, you know, you probably looking to search out positions like that um, especially when you know doing that kind of thing can be well compensated and get you bumps in seniority very very quickly yeah and maybe you would really like to spend time being part of a technical community and going to meetings on work days or going and speaking at events and having your company support that it reminds me of the joe hughes series of episodes where he talked about telling the hiring manager that that was important to him and would they support him going and doing those things. Right. Right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's interviewing. Excuse me. But it's still something, <laughs> it's something that was important to him before he got to the interview that yeah. he wanted from a role somewhere. If you go through this exercise a couple of times over time and are able to articulate that to yourself, then that's the first step in being ready to articulate it to a hiring manager during an interview process. So I think it's totally valid to talk about right now. Yeah. So next point, what kind of work do you want to do? So I think we've talked a little bit about this before, and this is where the dreaming in bands uh, phrase comes into play. A lot of times we're locked in on a title or a job role that we already have, and we want that maybe um, with slightly more responsibility on in a slightly larger company with slightly better pay scale, like that is, that's the dream is what I have now, but a little bit bigger and a little bit better. I think that one of the main reasons that we started the podcast was to get people to think outside the box and, and think about some of the non-traditional roles that are out there within the technology community that you can apply for that, you know, are well compensated. For example, what Nick and I do is, you know, pre-sales engineering, sales engineering, whatever you want to call it. It's well compensated. It's fairly technical and it pulls from the pool of people who have been in IT operations or architecture and design or cloud operations. You know, all those things are valid kind of pools of, of employment for being recruited into what we do. So make sure you explore the types of roles that are available. Um, the different industries that those roles might span, you know, rather than just settling for another infrastructure administration role like that, it, it might be what is in that band of possibility for you, but it's not the only thing. I think that's, that's our message. Right. So just branch out a little bit, you know, think outside of that, of what it is that you're doing right now. You know, what about branching out to a cloud platform team? What about a DevOps team or site reliability engineering team? You know, what about technical sales? Or an architecture team 
architecture, yeah. Or tech marketing or product marketing or product management. Someone asked me this at a at a VMUG. What is what's one thing that you've learned from doing the show? It's one of the top things. And one of the top things is that there are so many possibilities for the next job for each person out there that you just don't even realize. Yeah. Just like John said. And I think in order to think about the work you want to do, you have to spend time thinking. Yep. Without distraction, letting your brain just churn on it and write some stuff down and think on it regularly. You have to get outside the bubble. It's probably not siphoning off 30 minutes from your workday. It's probably, okay, the end of the day, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to think about what I want to be or what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah, for 40 straight minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's some tools that you can use to kind of expand your mind. Look at the, the job listings that are out there and see if you have overlapping or transferable skills that would be appropriate for that job. You know, the chances that you you are 100% fully qualified for you know, job that you, you know, title that you've never heard of are, are, are not good, but it gives you an idea of what's out there. Maybe if that looks really interesting, you can look at those gaps that you have, identify those. You know, if you want to work towards, you know, getting that type of position, then that's probably something that you need to address. So maybe come up with an action plan for, for bridging those gaps. And this can all be purely hypothetical, right? You don't have to actually do any of this. You can all, you know, except for looking at a listing that is not the typical job title that you would, you know, probably feel 100% comfortable in. So, you know, look at something slightly different, look at the requirements, look at the day-to-day, -day, you know, job function and activities that, 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 that are listed there, look at their nice-to-haves and do that gap analysis and think, well, if I, you know, have that gap, how would I address that? You know, that's a good thought experiment to do over and over and over and over again. And then you can kind of, you know, come up with a list of potential jobs that, you know, you find super interesting. Maybe some of those you'd be w willing to work really, really hard to bridge your gaps. And maybe there's some that have like, you know, 80% overlap and you only need to work a little bit at that 20%, but maybe that one's not as interesting or maybe it is like, you know, you just don't know unless you go through this exercise of looking for new positions, looking at the requirements and your gaps and what you would need to do. And a great way to think about this, I have an analogy that just popped into my head. Think of this like implementing technology to solve a problem. Okay. The problem is I need to figure out what I want to do next. And in order, you're trying to determine the level of effort to make the implementation happen, right? The level of effort to get to, I can do this job. Is it 50%? Is it 20% gap? And some of those gaps, you might not know unless you talk to someone who's done the thing. Yeah. If if it's my job to go and implement a, a cloud PBX, then, and I've never done this, I probably want to talk to someone who's done it before and pick their brain. How did it go? What went well? What didn't go well? What did you have to learn? Oh, we both know servers and infrastructure really well, but you had to learn phone systems, so maybe I can learn some lessons from that and spot my own gaps. Right. And when you're doing that, there's 
pretty standard ways to do that, right? Maybe there's training classes or a certification path or even in workplace apprenticeships, right? We've talked to several people on this podcast who were interested in something. They found a team within their company that was doing that thing. And they said, hey, you know, can I tag along or, you know, can I get assigned the tickets that service that team? So I understand a little bit better, like what it is that they're doing, or can I moonlight over here and shoulder surf somebody and, and have them explain, you know, what's going on. A bunch of different ways to go about doing that. One thing that it reminds me of is Mike Wood's episodes, specifically episode 169, where he talked about the idea of the informational, a discussion mm. about what the job entails with someone who's doing the hiring or maybe even someone who's doing the job. You're talking about the informational interview. Correct. So you're reaching out and you're asking for an information interview, informational interview about that role. So there's no pressure for that person to evaluate you for the job. What you, what they are doing is explaining what the job is to you. So you can evaluate whether that's a job you want to do, whether you think you're qualified for it, maybe that company as well. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Another thing that you might be able to do is bring that skill or technology, you know, that is in your gap um, into the current company and where you're a champion of that. I think we talked to at least one other person who said like, hey, you know, I wanted to get into VMware. So I said, hey, we should bring VMware into our company and, you know, that'll be a valuable tool. And it was an appropriate tool for that organization to use. And that's how they got their foothold in VMware expertise and eventually, you know, went on to do bigger and better things in that ecosystem. I certainly know that that's how I got started in VMware. Same. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the search for jobs. And there's going to be a little bit of crossover between the search and the application. So maybe I'll treat it as one. There's a bunch of tools out there that you can use to search for jobs. LinkedIn is one. Indeed, you know, monster.com. I don't know how appropriate those are for the types of roles that you might be looking for. If you have a specific company that you're thinking about, you can go to their career page and see what positions they have available. These are all possible tools, but okay, I'll just pick, pick one. Like I'll pick LinkedIn because, you know, I live there, I feel like, you know, I use it on a daily basis. In the job section, you can create a search term. For example, if I'm currently an infrastructure architect, I can type in infrastructure architect and then search under jobs. So you hit search and then you can refine that search to say, actually, you know, I want to search in the jobs section for infrastructure architect. And then it will show you all the positions that have that search phrase in it. And you can go and do that at LinkedIn right now. And then there's a, a set of filters that you can pull down. Like there's some that it pops up right away, but there's also like an all filters button that you can hit. And I think that might be where like geography is. Oh, actually, I think if you click on jobs, it pops up a, a geography area. So if you want to limit that to a country or a region of a country, you can do that experience level, you know, the types of jobs, maybe again, we talked about, Hey, work from home versus hybrid versus remote. You know, you can select that bunch of different filters and then you can turn on an alert. 
you know, alert me every time there's a new position that's like that. And you don't have to do that for just one search term. Maybe as you expand the net for, you know, different things that you'd like to see, uh, different types of jobs that you could see yourself doing, then you create different searches for the, those types of jobs. I would advocate doing this and reading through kind of the new job postings, you know, fairly intensely, especially at the beginning of a search or when you're just thinking about it, because then you can go through a lot of different posts to see the types of skills that they're looking for, the types of day-to-day -day activities that they're doing, and you can feed that back into your resume, which we talked a little bit about more uh, in detail about in the resume episode last week. I would also say that you're going to get politely socially engineered on LinkedIn, just like you would on other platforms. So based on what skills you've put on your LinkedIn profile, yes, must put skills on LinkedIn profile and the things you post or the things you comment on, LinkedIn will recommend jobs for you, things that might fit based on what's in your profile. So there's that too. And, and maybe it recommends something that is something you had not considered. And to John's point, read the job description and see. Maybe Absolutely. it doesn't have a title that you might have thought of, but the responsibilities are things that are absolutely in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Again, back to don't have blinders on. So let us talk a little bit about some other methods that we've seen other than just using these uh, websites to do job searches. I think uh, in episode 13, we talked to Tom Delicati and he kind of talked about what we came to call the sniper method. And how that went about um, was if you have a specialization or something you're especially good at, like especially a piece of software or technology that has a community around it, go look for other companies in that community. If it's a user group for a specific piece of commercial software, like I think that's what Tom was talking about, then go to other companies that are in that user group for that piece of software and see what job opportunities they have. That is, I think, a genius thing to do, especially if you, um, ahead of time, like Tom, develop some expertise in that software and then maybe speak at the user conference, you know, that they put on, or you publish papers and that other people at these, like, members of the user group also, you know, read and have, they already know your name. And so then when you go talk to them about possibly, having a position, you know, they're like, oh, wait, Joe is available? Like, I didn't even know. Of course. We use his process on, you know, blah, blah, blah all the time. That sniper method, I think, is is super interesting. And again, go back to episode 13 if you want to get the full story on that. And the, the user group approach is also good in a secondary way because you might get tips on, well, you should really look at this technology. Mm -hmm. Or... It allows you to meet people you wouldn't normally get to meet and find out if their companies are hiring, to John's point. Meetup.com has all kinds of meetup groups in various areas, including remote options. So lots of options out there if you want to take the time to be part of those user groups. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't know what a user group is, it is a meeting of people who are in the same industry or grouped around using the same technology coming together to share learnings, best practices, 
how to prepare for the future of this technology or industry together. I also want to reference another method that came across in, in episode 13, where Nick mentioned a, a Spiceworks post from B. Bigford, who talked about cold calling for jobs, especially when one is moving to a new metro area and you don't have a, a network there. It's just a really interesting method for literally walking around after having mapped out what organizations are in that area and then having a customized resume and asking to talk to somebody who handles hiring there, just walk in and, and ask for a discussion. Fascinating idea. I think that touches on a little bit of what Tom Delicati was doing, like that skill of, of asking if they have something available, whether or not they have anything listed, you know, because maybe you have a, a contact there that you met at a user group. Well, this is, you know, one step away. You ask them if uh, they're doing any hiring or if they, if you can talk to somebody about, you know, looking at your resume, whether or not, you know, anything or anybody at that organization, just super, super interesting. I think maybe the one downside is that, you know, you have to have thick skin for, you know, that type of cold calling, you know, just walking in. It can be very uh, scary to do. If you have any experience like with rejection, like it doesn't necessarily feel good. Like if they say, Hey, yeah, there's nobody here to talk to you about that. Or no, we're not doing any hiring and I can't call anybody like, Hey, maybe, you know, that's okay. And you tried, but sometimes, you know, people have fear and anxiety that keeps them from even trying. Yeah. And to your point, the people you need to talk to may be working from home. Right. Or, you know, the technical team might be in a separate state. You know, and this is a sales office. Yeah. That can happen too. Like, hey, it's it's worth trying sometimes if especially if it's in your skill set already to kind of walk in fearlessly and ask for a meeting. If that fills you with, you know, overwhelming anxiety, then maybe this is not the method for you, but maybe there's a, a different method, you know, it's a little bit more passive. Let's, you know, move on a little bit. Like when you're actually applying for these jobs, you know, when you've you've you know, filled that the top of the funnel and you've filtered down, you know, some positions and you want to start applying for them. The the actual method for doing that application, you know, follows a pattern. If you don't know anybody who can help you, like here's a methodology, look for connections that you might have at the company that you're thinking about applying to, because, you know, that's somebody that you can reach out to and say, hey, do you know anything about this role? Do you know anything about the manager? Um, maybe even the specific team or even the, the product that like that team is is uh, working on or responsible for, you know, the culture of management, even just generally at the organization, like how, what is the workload like? What's the expectation? They might even have a bonus program to refer you in. So, you know, if you do a, have a good discussion and they get a good vibe, you know, and you remind them how smart you are and good at certain things and they might just voluntarily say, Hey, I'm happy to refer you in, you know, and, and then you can ask them to kind of coach you through the um, interview process as well. If it's somebody that you only tangentially know, you might have to go through a slightly longer process of selling yourself to them, or it might, it might not happen at all where they might just not feel comfortable referring you. And, and that's fine. Take it for what it is and, and apply and, and be thankful of the help that you did get. So, you know, that's like a really kind of foundational 
tactic that you can use. Don't forget to look for people who might have worked at that company, but no longer work at that company. It is a former employer. So that's a, a LinkedIn filter that you can use. You know, who in my network was formerly employed at that organization? Because they might be able to provide even more candid feedback, right? Hey, I left that organization and I'm willing to tell you why. There was very big problems and here's why you should stay away. <laughs> Maybe you'll get that or you could get, man, the only reason I left was X and it was an amazing place to work and you should definitely apply. Make sure, I think we talked about this, that when you're applying, you customize the resume to the job listing. You should save the job listing that you're applying to just in case it goes away. They take it down when they filled their funnel and you can go back and refer to it. You need to customize your skills to the skills that they're looking for. The activities that you've done that you want to highlight to the activities that they are saying are kind of the day-to-day -day activities uh, for the role. Um, you're never going to have 100% overlap. You just want to highlight what you have, you know, for them. And and that's kind of what you need to do to to make sure that you get past, you know, whatever screening process they have. Search for the job and then do a custom application for that job. And I probably wouldn't apply for 10 different positions at the same company at one time. Might want to spread those out a little bit. Very true. Very, very true. A couple, maybe, but... If it's excessive, that, that might look the wrong way. Yeah, it's also difficult to do a custom application for 10 different jobs at one company. Yep. Finally, I want to highlight the technique of letting the jobs come to you when you're in this job search. Like, you know, one of the things that you can do, especially when you're happy in the job and you're not actively looking, is to just make sure that your LinkedIn resume is up to date. Your LinkedIn profile, I guess, is not really a resume is up to date with the skills that you have, the activities that you work on, the responsibilities that you have. You know, make sure that your description talks about the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, your area of responsibility, your primary work. And, and the people who are looking for that type of thing might come knocking on your door to hire you away. And uh, that happens all the time. One of the main products of LinkedIn is the listings of people in their profiles that are where access is sold to them to recruiters. So, you know, recruiters are on LinkedIn all the time trying to fill the funnel of uh, people uh, that they can get to apply to jobs. There's unexpected opportunities out there. Sometimes the best time to, you know, consider opportunities is when you don't need to consider new opportunities, you know, because you can do it in a, a very, very low stress, low stakes environment. Just think about that as as one of the tactics that you do, right, to progress your career. Be desirable on LinkedIn. Engage with current technology and describe what you're doing there in your LinkedIn profile. Update it semi-regularly. It doesn't need to be daily. It doesn't need to be weekly. But, you know, if you have like a monthly update or a change or even like a little LinkedIn post or a blog post that you cross-post to LinkedIn describing something that you're doing, like that is really good. And it practices your writing skills and shows a potential hiring person, recruiter, that you can write a paragraph or a few sentences that has good grammar and communicates a point. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to talk about building your network? Sure. So I think it's important to build that network of contacts both inside your organization 
And when we say organization, we mean a structured organization within a company. Mm-hmm. Build, meet other people who might not be on the same team as you. Meet, meet your skip level boss if you can. Mm-hmm. We talked to Yvette Edwards about that in in the episode two hundred two, and meet people outside of the company. User groups are a great way to do this. LinkedIn and mutual connections are a great way to do this because I might see something that a connection of mine posted and say, oh, that's really interesting. I think this person might be a good connection or I actually would like to talk to them about their experience in this area. Oh, they're in data science. Well, I'm interested in data science. I wonder what that life is like and would that person talk to me? If you don't ask, you can't know. That's right. Don't say no for the person in your head. Yeah. It only takes a couple minutes to put in a note when you connect with someone. You get 300 characters on LinkedIn that you can use to to say something. Hey, so-and-so, I noticed you're connected to this other person in my network. I'd love to connect with you. It looks like you have some experience I can learn from. Yeah. And I think most of the time people are going to say yes. Yeah. They might say no, but if they do, you asked, right? You asked for what you wanted can't get it if you don't ask in the lowest of low stakes because they don't say it to your face yeah and you have other online communities that you can leverage not just the in-person user groups certainly you could use twitter you could use or mastodon right one of those you could use spiceworks you can use mango lossy microsoft has a a big community out there many many others yeah i really like what you said about connecting with people on LinkedIn that work for your company or within your organization at your company. Because Mm -hmm. over time, as you meet people and connect with them on LinkedIn, a certain percentage of those people are going to leave the company and go work at other companies. And now you know somebody that you've met personally who works at that company and you can ask them, what's it like at that company? The new role you have is very different from the role that you had before. What was that transition like? Now, Like you say, now you work in data science and I've always been interested in that. Can we have a conversation about that? And it's always easier to do with somebody that you've met before. (laughs) Yeah. And how did John and I do it, right? We are looking for stories on LinkedIn, always in guest acquisition mode. If I meet somebody in person, if I see somebody's LinkedIn and I go, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm going to want to connect with that person and learn more. And I'm going to make the ask. And I'm going to do the work to make it easy for that person to say yes. Mm -hmm. Hey, would you be interested in being on Nerd Journey? Here's the theme, giving listeners the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier. I think we could have a discussion about these three or four things. And if you're up for it, I'll send you the outline of what we might talk about. We can collaborate on it. Yeah, you've made it really easy for that person to say yes, Mm -hmm. right? Even if they're apprehensive about it. And... You know, people can use that exact same technique to just have a discussion, right? Hey, absolutely. Jump on a phone call or a Zoom or Google Meet or Amazon Chime. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a thing. It is a thing. Are there, you could ask that person, should, are there good blogs I should be following to get more knowledge in this space? Or can you recommend another connection for me that has this experience? Yeah. You know, and as you get deeper into that discussion, maybe maybe they know somebody in their network who's made the transition from the job that you have to the job 
that they have, and they can recommend that that discussion with that person. And I would also say, in those discussions, maybe there's a way you can help them yes. that you didn't realize when the discussion began. Oh, hey, you, you gave me a lot of great information, but from what you said, you should actually meet this person because I think you two would probably hit it off or have, be able to have a great conversation about data science because this person loves data science. Have you met so-and-so? Kind of returning the favor. Absolutely. You're not always the taker. You can be <laughs> you can be the matcher, right? Yeah, I think we talked about that. That might have been one of the, the tips that we got from career tools, that your primary mode with your network as you build it out is to give and serve your network. And every once in a while, when you have a need, then, you know, maybe you can, then you can make a request. But if you're giving and serving and, and staying connected with people, then that, you know, it, when you need help, like everything's better. 100%. I think that's everything that we had listed to talk about. Um, anything else pop in your mind before we get out of here? Last thing that I would add under letting the jobs come to you is the public proof of work. Ah, yes. Whether it's a post in LinkedIn, a post in a technical community, a blog, a video you made, some code you put on GitHub, anything that's publicly viewable, referenceable, that's proof of work. And hopefully you're collecting those links to these publicly accessible, uh, we'll just call them artifacts. Yeah. Maybe they won't be around forever, but... If you've made a YouTube video on a topic that shows your expertise in an area, you should have that and be able to share it with someone. Absolutely. Maybe they need to hear it, need to see it, or you use that for someone to see, oh, I can give a talk at a user group, or I do have this expertise, and here's proof. Yeah, that's an excellent point. That reminds me, we, we've done at least one session at VMworld. We should both have that in our LinkedIn, right? Yes, indeed. So maybe we need to take our own advice and continue to iterate on the LinkedIn and kitchen sink resumes. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Anything else pop into your mind, John, before we get out of here? Nope. I think that's it for me. Just a reminder again that we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at NerdJourney. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at NetworkDirt underscore for John White at VJourneyman. Sign up. Adios. <laughs>